All right, let's get into this, dive into the Word of God together today. Acts chapter 16. This is, we're going to finish out 16. There's only 28 chapters, and uh, we'll get there. We're moving quick. Go right into 17, Lord willing, next week. Uh, if you don't have today's notes, like a bulletin, raise your hand to ushers. I'll bring you one. If you didn't get one, we were a little bit late getting those out. Okay, let's dive in. I want to jump right into this today. There's some good stuff. And the title of our sermon today is Dress for Gospel Success. And some people say, well, what does that mean? We were in Kenya. We did a, they gave me the job of sitting at the desk. With my terrible English, they gave me the job of sitting at the desk trying to understand Kenyan pastors and trying to communicate with them and register them for the conference. You know what all the other pastors and the people that were leading the different things were doing? And the, you know what they were doing for the conference registration? Nothing. They're out on safari riding around looking at elephants and, and giraffes while I'm sitting there trying to understand these Kenyan pastors. Some of them were barefooted but with a three-piece suit on. These men had walked miles and miles and miles and miles, and yet someone told them, the Western way told them, if you're going to be a pastor, you must look a certain way. You must have a suit. And they would do anything to get a nice suit. So if you offered them a suit of clothing, they thought it was something super special that you, that you gave them something that made them look like a pastor. Let me ask you a question. Do you have to look like a pastor to be a pastor? What does a pastor even look like? Your culture dictates what a pastor looks like or an influence from another culture. Is that true? Somebody tells you what a pastor looks like. Do you think Paul, as we speak this, as he, he was clothed, did he have a three-piece suit on? No, he'd been, he'd been running around with some uh, fluffy drawers and some uh, a robe on, right? That was the culture of today. They would have a robe. They might have a tunic on the head sometimes when they teach. They'd have a prayer shawl maybe. But it was nothing pants-like. It might have been a vest. But it was something of clothing. He would actually look like his culture. Every time he went to a new culture, guess what he would probably do? I'm sure he'd pick up an item in the market. But Paul went from place to place. Did he ever worry about his clothing? No, he, he did not. But I want you to see the scripture. I don't have time to actually develop it today. But look, go back and read for yourself. Do a study on how many times the Bible talks about clothing. Clothed in the righteousness of God. Clothed, clothed to be like Christ. And go back and look how many times he talks about a covering, the outside covering for us to actually live our life today. Let's look. This is Acts chapter 16. Dressed for gospel success. See if you can pick up what I'm putting down today, all right? Let's read together. We're going to start in verse 14. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple. Your Bible might say purple fabric or dyer of fabric. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Mark that in your Bible, by the way. We're going to ask that question. What did he speak? Verse 15, and when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, or you judge me to be a believer, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Now it happened as we went to prayer. Who's he going to prayer with? This is another day. Lady of the whole company is going to prayer. That a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination, or demon, met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope for profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up. And y'all see if this sounds like today. One person had an agenda because they were making money with the devil, and that money-making venture ended, and then they get upset. Watch what the multitude does. Verse 22. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Mike talked about this last week. The inner prison was not some kind of maximum security, even though I'll say that in my notes. It was in the place where you were shackled to the wall, and if you had to go to the bathroom, guess where you went to the bathroom? Yeah, Mary Mary talks about shackles on my feet. That's where they, what he had. He was shackled to the wall. And he used the bathroom. And every other prisoner that's been shackled to that wall, guess where they go to the bathroom? And I know it's not, it's, it's we say, well, Pastor, we, it's this church. We should keep it up, right at G. 
This was a gross, awful place they went. And you're going to see what they did when they were shackled in the worst case scenario. They were shackled to the wall where other prisoners had been. This is a filthy place. They had the wherewithal to actually sing hymns and praises to the Lord Jesus Christ. Instead of saying, Lord, you got me into this mess. Look, smell this place. And my back's bleeding. My clothes, where's the, where are the clothes, by the way? They were clothed for the gospel. Where's the clothes? The magistrates had them torn off. They sit there in their underwear, chained to the wall, if that. They're bleeding. What can happen when you actually get some kind of nasty place? You've been to a barnyard and a cut on your foot. What can you get? Answer, all kind of nasties, right? Cooties, as we used to say as little boys. Right? Don't want those cooties, right? You get the bad stuff. So Paul's thinking, he knows all this stuff as well. He's an educated man. He comes to this place. We're not, I'm gonna, don't want to spoil all of it, but don't you go to your notes and look. Why was he here? Why was Paul chained to a, why was he chained to the dungeon wall? Why is he in all this nasty, filthy place bleeding? Here he is again being attacked by the gospel. Y'all know he's already been stoned to death for the gospel in Lystra, right? He's already been threatened with his life. Every place he goes, Paul stirs up trouble except for Jerusalem. He goes home to the apostles and elders, gets encouraged, hears a word from them, and goes back out and gets some more. Paul was always getting some more. Lord, give me some more. Did Paul ever, it's funny, ironically, that he actually stood at the foot of where, where Stephen was being stoned, and what did he do? What did they put at his feet? Men took off their outer garments so they could actually throw the rocks at Stephen and kill Stephen. He understands what it means to rip off a man's garments to kill a man for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But now he's on the other side. He understands what it means to actually someone strip his clothes off. Listen, they don't know it yet, but they're going to find out he's a Roman citizen just like they are. And you could not do this to a Roman. They had rights. You could not publicly uh, have a public execution or have a public uh, trial like this without it actually going through the court system or through their system. And you'll see in a minute they apologize and they beg mercies and they don't want to be stoned themselves. Well, why don't you look at your notes. Paul heard the Macedonian call. That's why he's here. And he traveled to the northern Greece. Now we're moving from Turkey to Greece. He and his company began sharing the gospel. This is very key. He shared the gospel in the city of Philippi. At Philippi, God had divine appointments for Paul and his team. God demonstrated his power and love in this city. God is always demonstrating his power and his love in everyone's life. Did you know that? When God shows you something that's wrong in your life, is he demonstrating his love for you? If you get a don't do it anymore in the Word, you read the Word of God and, and you hear somebody speak it and you say, don't do that anymore. That's God speaking out of love. Why does God not want us to do the wrong thing? Because God is righteous and he always wants us to do the right thing. Do you understand? He's always, there's not ever, time, ever a time in history or our history or mankind's history that God has ever wanted us to do the wrong thing. Did you know that? Did anybody know that? God is holy. Let me go give you a lesson, a first grade lesson on God. God is holy and God is righteous. All of his ways, his nature is holy and righteous. Has there ever been a time in history that God wanted us to do the wrong thing? No. James says, listen, don't you ever say when you're tempted by sin that God tempted me. You can't say God tempted me. You can say it, but you're calling God a liar. God tempts no man with sin. Say that with me. God tempts no man with sin. Just in case you're a lady today, let me say it with you. Say it with me. God tempts no woman with sin. Amen? Say it with me, ladies. God tempts no woman with sin. You've got to get it down. If you're tempted, listen, temptation is not a sin. Jesus was tempted in every way we've been tempted. But when you act or think on those temptations, then and only then do you let that sin develop. And James gives you a formula. There's a prescription there. When you dwell on that temptation, you hear about it, maybe it's a thought that comes your way, or maybe something you didn't even mean to see on TV or something passed by on a billboard. When you start dwelling on that thought, then it starts to become sin. And we know from the beginning, sin, God said himself, sin brings what? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. So you can never say, when you were tempted, the devil made me do it. You're calling God a liar. You're a small fry in the Happy Meal, right? In devil's eye, you, he don't care about you. If you're a prayer warrior and you're winning people to Christ, you might get his attention. But right now, he's got Christians right where he wants us to be. What are we talking more about? Do you think people talk more about Trump and Biden this week than they did the Lord Jesus Christ? Was the news cycle full of what's happening in our, in our earthly kingdom more than the heavenly kingdom? Have you gotten called on social media? I mean, I've caught myself a couple times just wanting to respond to everything, Right? Because I go in to fix the church's uh, Facebook, and I want to go say something about your post, right? I read some of y'all's posts. Stop it. Just stop it. Just say Jesus saves or Jesus loves you. 
Keep your opinions to yourself because they don't help everybody. You don't always think how everybody reads it. People read it from a different perspective. Look at this right here. God demonstrated his power and his love in this city. And I want to tell you that God is demonstrating his power and his love in the city called Achan. Did y'all know that? This is the God that we serve. Did y'all know that? Church, listen, this morning, I know y'all sleepy or something. Y'all ate a a big supper or a big breakfast. Wake up. It's time for us to understand what thus said the word of God. God showed his power and love through the city. Listen, this city's in sin. This is Vegas, if you will. This is where all the retired soldiers are coming. This is a cross city where a lot of people are happening. This is Greece. There's all kind of worship going on in this place, but it's not worshiping God. There's all kind of fun things to do, but they're not godly things to do. And here comes God. God has a few handful of people up there that are Jews that are actually meeting because we know there's no synagogue because they're meeting down by the riverside. And now he sends, he sends a messenger there. The Macedonian call, we haven't even seen it fulfilled, but on the way to fulfilling the Macedonian call, was this part of the Macedonian call? We, we, we would like to isolate things. Well, this happened on this day for this reason. But we don't always look back and see up to what led up to that event. What, what led up to that uh, happening in, in uh, Christian history? And every time that God's doing something in your life, you're older today than you were last week or last time I saw you, right? I've been gone two weeks or a week. So it's been two weeks since I've seen you last for most of you. You're older have you experienced God more in the last two weeks than you did the two weeks before when I met you, when I saw you? Is your life maturing in Christ? Lydia comes into an encounter with, with Paul. Listen, she met him. I find this, this is where I got the sermon title today. She met him, and what was her job? Thank you, Joey. The only person listening is Joey. She was a seller of purple fabric. She was her own textile mill. And I don't think she actually just spent time down by the river just because it was a great place to be. She went down by the river, I believe, because that's where they would dye the the garments. And I believe she knew people. If you're in that business, guess what kind of people you know? You would have to know somebody who puts it together, who sells them, right, sews it together. And you have to know a seller of purple, right? She was a seller of purple, so therefore I believe she had the full business model. I believe she went from actually getting the cotton or getting the fabric together, dyeing the fabric, sewing the fabric, and selling the fabric. Uh, She was actually selling, and only people that were wealthy could afford the purple because it was an expensive dye process. So she makes clothing. Do you get the idea? And do you find it ironic? She's one of the first persons that Paul runs into when he comes to Philippi. When that Macedonian call, God introduces her potentially to a maker of purple garments and potentially tailors. Would you agree? Had, she, had, she had some connections. Why in the world would God let him meet a woman of all people? Because usually it's men. There's no synagogue, so no men are gathering at the synagogue because of the culture, not because of women's liberation. Okay, We're talking about the cultural thing. But the women went down by the river to pray. And it was a Jewish custom to go, if you didn't have a synagogue, go to the river and pray. Daniel went to the river and prayed. That's where he got a vision. Ezekiel went to the river and prayed. And here comes Paul. He's looking for somebody. It's the Sabbath day. And what was his custom? We've been preaching through this for a long time. His custom was on the Sabbath. What did he do? He went looking for, hey, where's the Jews, where's the Jews meeting? Where's their, where's their synagogue? Over there. The Jews meet over there. And that's where he would go. And he would teach. And he would keep teaching. That's what he did here. Where's the synagogue? There is not one. Well, they would go down to the river to pray. They went down to the river, and guess what? First person Paul runs into is a woman who makes clothing for the wealthy, and she's potentially got, she's a a seller of purple, so she has all the connections for the finest suits available. Does a preacher need a suit every once in a while? Yeah, of course. So did God know, I want you to see, put this together, that's where it came, that's why I titled my sermon, Dress for Gospel Success. I started thinking, why, God, why would you introduce Paul to a woman who makes garments of purple for the rich? First person he runs into, and, and, and she becomes a convert, and she and her whole household. And as Barbara talked about this morning, in, in the ministry, a lot of times, if we're going to go do a ministry, the whole family goes and does the ministry. Every smith that I've had in my household, and even the one who's staying with us, if there's an event going on, you're all going to the event. We're all doing it together. Whether you want to or not, it's just the way it was and the way it is. Same in her house. Do you find it ironic that she, God introduces her to Paul and Paul to her, and she said, if you count me faithful, if you count me as a believer, come to my house. Well, guess what? At, what what's that her house hanging up everywhere, I'm sure? What do y'all think she's got hanging around? Well, who's going to probably be like, oh, girl, you did a good work. Who, who's, who's is that with all the bedazzle going on? Well, that's, the, that's this emperor. That's his wife's. Uh, we're custom making one for her. It's a one-off. Or There's always these custom garments. That, the purple's everywhere. 
And purple was the sign for royalty. Well, whose is that? Well, this might be so-and-so's. I don't know. I like to let my mind go there when I think. She went just an old clay dirt house. She fixed them up. Hey, stay with us. So when you stay with somebody, what do you do? You eat their food. You sleep in their house. You stay. Sometimes I told when we were kids, if a, a guest pastor came, we had to get out of our bedroom and all cram into one place and let the guest pastor have our bed. He ate at our table. He, he did everything at our house. His, our house was his house. Do you live that way? We do that with our friends now. If our house, I won't say what our, our, well, I'll say it. Our house is usually unlocked. If you come by, if you need to come by, I don't know who's watching by Facebook, but if you need to come by, it's a great place to get water, get something to eat out of the refrigerator. Um, just leave me something, all right? Not a note, all right? So listen, I want to encourage you. First person God, his divine appointment was with Lydia. It was for her soul, for, of course. But God doesn't just do one thing for one reason, right? If he has divine appointments, Guess what Paul, God knew Paul was going to encounter? He knew he was getting ready to get arrested for casting out this demon, and he knew the magistrates were going to tear off his what? Wait, what are they going to tear off? His clothing. Who does Paul know? Now his, his suit of clothing is messed up. Who does Paul know that actually makes clothes? He just met her, right? He just stayed at her house. Now he gets his clothes torn off. He gets abused. He gets thrown into the prison And we're going to pick it up. I want you to go back to your notes. Look, I'm going to give you this in your notes. Paul met Lydia, a seller of purple fabric, at a prayer meeting down by the riverside. Paul was looking to see where God was at work. He was checking to see where God was at work. And did he find out where God was at work? Yes, he did. And guess what he did when he found out where God was at work? He got busy preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's your job and my job. No matter what God's called us to do today, we got to look and see where God's at work. And we got to join him where he's at work. And guess what? Guess what? We, the first message we have to share is what? The gospel of Jesus Christ. You're exactly right. We have the same message Paul does. We have the same responsibility as Paul did. We must share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, when we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, the same thing will happen sometimes that the Lord did to Lydia. The Bible says the Lord opened her heart to pay attention and to respond to the things Paul preached about Jesus. He preached the gospel. If y'all remember a couple weeks ago, he took the message from the Jerusalem council, all the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. He's going north and he's preaching the gospel. Listen, this is the word of God. You must give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. By faith, trust him because God's grace has been poured out on you. You see the message? He preached the same message that Peter was preaching. He preached the same message that the apostles were preaching in Jerusalem. He preached the same message that was being preached by Philip as he goes up the east coast of the Mediterranean. He's preaching the same gospel that the Ethiopian now, back in the day, had heard the word of God. He's preaching the same gospel. You and I today must preach the same gospel. You say, Pastor, I'm not a preacher. Was Lydia a preacher? No. When she gave her heart and life to Jesus Christ and she follow through with believers' baptism, did you become a preacher or a minister of the gospel? You better believe every time there was a garment, it was like Chick-fil-A, right? Or you go to a cookout. There's a scripture on there. We went to Wendy's. We stopped yesterday after the, tra- uh, the state uh, championship. Our boys ran in yesterday. Went to Wendy's, sat in there, waited, 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 and looked to the right, just happened to be looking around. John 3.16 was out there by the cash register. I said, God bless this business owner. I told the lady, I said, I am so glad to see that. That's how people were saved. She goes, we like it. Just in case you said, we like it. Just a small John 360, just a placard there. It was encouraging for me. I was just getting a burger and fries. And what did I walk away with? God is good because the business owner put the gospel right there for anybody to see. And if I was a lost man, I thought about, what if I walked out of this place going, those crazy people, what do they think? Jesus is the only way to heaven. Right? But what happens, the Bible says, when you give out God's word, this is what we talked about with Richard. When the Gideons give out the word of God, and people open it up, even if they open it up because they're mad, even if they open it up, listen, we've heard of people that were locked in prisons, and the guards took their Bibles and used it as toilet paper, and the actual prisoners took the fecal material and wiped it off the Word of God and put their Bibles back together again. Would you do that? Most people won't even touch their Bible when it's brand new. Could you imagine if somebody used it for toilet paper? Would you take it and clean it off to have the Word of God, have your own copy of the Word of God in your own language? We take for granted, church, listen, what, how good God is to us. His power and his love is abundant here. Lydia was baptized in obedience to the command of Jesus Christ. Did Jesus command every believer to be baptized? The answer is yes. The only believer that we have record of that was not baptized was a thief on the cross. And Jesus told him, today you'll be with me in paradise, which tells us 
you can be saved and not baptized and go to heaven because salvation is through God's grace and faith alone in Jesus Christ. Okay? You understand that? Don't leave here today confused. There is but one way to be saved. That is through Jesus Christ. When he said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. That is belief in him. Not just a head knowledge. Yeah, Jesus said he was the Son of God. It's a faith knowledge. Listen, I come to the place, I fully believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I give my life to him. I'm all in. Jumping into the deep end, if you will, I'm all in. From the head to toe, I'm Christ. I belong to him. This is where Lydia got. And watch what happens. And that's Matthew 28. You have the reference, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. That's where Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything I taught you. And remember, I'm with you always till the end of the age. You ever think about God with you today? If you're a Christian today, the Bible says the Holy Spirit lives in you and around you. Everywhere I go, God goes. As a matter of when I walk around, I walk around with God in me. He is in me. So I must think about the things I say. I must think about the things I do, the things I see. I must come to the place and say, listen, Lord, I want to submit my life. I want to submit myself under your authority because I know you live within me. Can you harden your heart and put off the Holy Spirit? Can you not listen to him? Can you come to the place and say, Lord, I just, I can't. Not today. Go share the gospel. No, I don't want to. Listen, he says, just like a good earthly father disciplines his child, so will our heavenly father discipline us. Is that true? Don't harden your heart today, church. Listen to what the word of God says. Lydia, when she, when she was saved and now she's baptized, she immediately has, and by the way, you get this immediately. I think some of us have it in the works. God's waiting for the day that we get saved. Lydia exercised her spiritual gifts of hospitality and service by inviting them to come and lodge at her home. Remember, God introduced the clothing maker to Paul so that she might be saved her whole household. And God also introduced the clothing maker. I can't help but think. When Paul got his clothes ripped off and torn off and beaten, Lydia, you think Lydia's going to say, mm, man, they tore your clothes up. I might can stitch them up and put a patch on them. Is that how it works? If a Christian brothers and sisters, if you have a restaurant and you come in and somebody says, pastor comes by, there's a group of pastors come by, whoo, we're hungry. And what is the first thing you want to do? Even if it's at home, I can remember my house. The smell of biscuits was all the way around, always going, Right? There's always biscuits, gravy, fat back, some kind of country fried steak, some kind of cued steak. And I don't know why I always get on food on Sunday mornings, but I do. But there was always that smell. When somebody, when somebody was coming, my mom always cooked extra. And she knew we brought somebody home from church. There was always something extra. And there was always the um, aluminum foil or something that she would put stuff in. And you got to take it with you, right? And I see those biscuits leave the house. I'm like, hey, you can leave those here. You don't, you don't have to leave. But she'd always send you with a package. You always go away with some food. And she was always the last one to eat. She would never eat with us. She'd always make sure everybody had some food. And then she would sit down at the table and just have a little bit. I always thought she starved herself. But I found out as I got older as a parent, she was eating the whole time she was cooking. That's what I do, right? I'd take a little bit off the grill. I'm not hungry when I get to the table. I'm already, I've already I got the meat in my stomach and I've, I've sampled everything. So I always thought she was just being a suffering servant. Uh, she was, she, and she is even still today. She wants to please everybody. She wants to make you happy, and she wants you to leave full and happy. Oh, by the way, take a nap. And by the way, always, she always wants what pleases, helps the person. That's the way Lydia was. And I can't help but think that Lydia looked at Paul. We're going to see this. Let's, let's, look, let's get into the Word, and we'll go back to Paul. We get back to the Word. Let's get back and pick up in verse 25. Excuse me. Let me pick up in verse um, 20. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us to be in Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates and tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, that means they beat them down, right? They threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Verse 25, but at midnight. Aren't you glad about the B-U-T's in the Bible? But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. They had prayer meeting in the, in the prison. Well, that's probably the best way we can get people to prayer meeting today, isn't it? If we could round you up with the sheriff's department and have you force you to come to church, because you can't catch a Baptist in church on Sunday night or on Wednesday night during a prayer meeting service. It's the least attended service in history, I think, of most churches. Did you know that? When it's the opportunity to release the power of God in our personal lives, we got other things to do. 
oh, it's so nice outside, Pastor. We just had, we figured, oh, it's so nice here. We decided to go do this. I'm not saying there's other obligations, but if it's habitual every Sunday, every Wednesday, there's the opportunity to grow. Listen, take it. I don't know how to whet your appetite to make you want to grow. And you say, well, it's so boring. If you come to hear me, it's boring. If you come to hear the music, listen, don't come for the music. We're not here to entertain you. You come to meet with God. And you come to meet with God's people. As, as Brother Adrian said this morning, we come as one family of God. I don't know what you come for today. If you come because you had to come, I understand that. But if you come just because this is the thing to do, you messed it as well. You should have come today to gather together to worship and bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, that's not why I come. Well, you missed a blessing today. Amen? If you miss it, guess what? You miss it. That's exactly right. All right. Let's finish that. Let's pick it up. God wasn't through, right? God sends an earthquake. Here we go, verse 26. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed and everyone made it for the hills. Is that what it's in your Bible? No, it doesn't. They're, they're scared. Listen, the prisoners are scared too. Paul, he knows what an earthquake is. I'm sure he's getting ready to do this, right? He's covering his head. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, he drew out his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we're all here. And then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Why would he say this? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Why in the world would he say that? Do you know why he'd say that? As I told that little John 3.16 at Wendy's on the side of the, uh, side of the counter there. The Bible says God's word will not return void. This man heard them singing praises like, what are those lunatics doing? He saw them drugged. They were torn up, beat up, brought into his jail cell, dirty. All the sores, all the blood's dried on their body. They're beat down. They're ripped up. And yet, what kind of man is this? Because most prisoners came into his prison cussing, carrying on, wanting to fight, trying to fight the people that are putting them in prison, right? You see the typical arrest? Isn't that right? Most, most, most uh, of the bad guys don't take the city of Aiken officers, uh, hey, thank you so much for picking me up, right? Thanks for giving me a ride. You ever get that, John? Thanks for the ride downtown. You don't get that, do you? They want to go and resist. It's called resisting arrest. That's what the bad guy, that's what the unlawful do. They want to resist the law. So we come to the place. Here, look, listen. These, the, these people come in. They're arrested. They're drugged. They're beaten. And they're drugged to the jail. and said, put them in the inner city, uh, inner, inner jail. And he locks them up like he's told to do. And, and you got to help. What's the charge? We'll tell you tomorrow. Well, he knows that's illegal, right? So he goes and he hears them singing songs. They're singing praise. How great thou art, right? Could you imagine singing? In the, what in the world's wrong with these crazies? They're singing to a God who's brought them through, and they're locked up in chains. They're, they're chained to the wall, the worst pr- part of the prison, the stinkiest part of the prison. Can you say stinky in church? The stinkiest part of the prison. And they're singing praise to God. And then they're praying, God, listen, show favor. Who, who are they praying for? Who did Paul always pray for? Who are we told to pray for? Jesus told him. He knew Jesus' teaching. Pray for those who despitefully use you or abuse you. Pray for your enemies. You pray for those who love you, of course. But Paul tells us how we wrestle and how we fight. It's not against flesh and blood. He knows these men are acting out because they're pushed or possessed by, just like that young girl was, by demons of the, the world system. They're lost. And can I tell you today, lost people act like lost people. Have you not seen it during this political ads and all the stuff people are putting out about people? They don't care about character, assassination. I even look at people that were running against each other. Even you see Vice President Biden and Miss Harris, right? They were trashing each other just a little bit ago, and now they're singing each other's song. And they said, oh, it's just politics. As humans, listen, why don't we come to that place? You're the things that Trump says. What in the world? You're the president represent, right? And then you see all the commercials of things and, and we're all like, well, I'm choosing this, I'm choosing this, who do I choose? And we come to the place, if you choose, listen, if you're going to choose who to vote for based on what you see on TV, you're messed up. You done messed up. If you come to the place, what should, you, what should be your, let me tell you your guiding principle. I'm not telling you who to vote for. What should be your guiding principle? If I'm all for, if my party says, listen, kill babies as long as you want to, what that saying is being, how do you, by the way, I know children are here. Most of us understand how babies are made, right? So if you're for abortion and killing babies, you're for premarital relationships as well. Do you understand? You can't have one without the other. It didn't happen in a test tube. Does everybody understand? 
We must preach and teach the values. And even in America, we're given a right to vote our conscience. You say, well, I don't like that guy or I don't like that woman. You don't have to like anybody. But if they're closer, if, they're, if their views line up with God's views, then I have to vote for them because if this man or this woman votes and they're for abortion or they're for uh, any kind of rights for people who are, who are unbiblical, let's just leave it that way. I'm trying to be as hard as I can. I would be straight if the little kids weren't in here. But if you cannot, listen, as a Christian, I don't know how you call yourself Christian and vote for somebody who says vote for killing babies. We've killed over 60 million babies since I've been born. And I don't know if y'all know this, the doctor recommended for me to be aborted because I was giving my mama trouble in her womb. I come in in 1969, right at the tail end of 69 when abortion kicked in in the 70s. And so it was recommended I be aborted. So you think I have an issue with abortion? Not just because I'm a Christian, yeah, that's my main issue, but because that fool tried to come after me with a knife when I was a kid because he'd get federal money. And that's all it is, it's about money. 60 million Americans that we know about, legally, plus, have been killed in America because we said so. We voted. God forbid. Because I got news for you, God's pro-life. Amen? I'm not being political. Listen, come to that place. I'm telling you, if you vote for somebody just because you like them, color of their skin, because they're from the same region that you're from, or because they got this or that, whatever it might be, if it's not a biblical reason for voting, I would encourage you don't vote at all. And I want you to vote. But you can't st- how can you stand up before it? Listen, we're going to give an account for our lives. The Bible says we're going to give an account for everything that we say and everything that we do in this life, especially we as Christians. If you cast that vote, listen, you come to the place and I know but, and I know it's getting tougher. Me and Martin were talking this past week. It's almost like we're voting. What we, we're not voting for anybody. We're voting for what we're at least against, right? We've come to the place and say, what are we not for? It's, it's getting harder and harder, but you know why? Because we're not training our children. Who should be the leaders we're voting for today? There should be a godly man or woman that we could vote for today. We're not encouraging our kids to get involved in our politics. We don't talk about politics and religion in my house, preacher. Well, God ordained politics and the government, right? You go look at First Timothy for yourself. It's God who ordained government. Is that true? Some of you haven't read that because you don't, you don't say amen because you don't know. It's God who put government in place. And God gives us the government we deserve. Even though we're voting, God's going to put into place the person that we deserve. The rule makers that we deserve because either we've gone with God or we've turned our back on God. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, you're wrong. You read the Bible. Did God ordain the religion or relationship with Christ? So should you be talking about religion at your house? Come on, all five of you. Should you be talking about religion at your house? Should you be talking about politics in a sense from what is it, how does he or how does she line up with the Word of God? Forget what the commercials are saying. They're going to tell you what they want you to hear, right? And you can jump on that case or that case. Go with what the Word of God says. Go back and look at this. So here's this man. He asked them, instead of saying, where's all the prisoners? He says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Why did he say that? Because he had heard the gospel preached. He had heard the gospel sung. He had heard the gospel prayed in his prison. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Well, that's a bold command, isn't it? Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and his whole family uh, were baptized. Uh, Now when he had brought them to his house, he set food before them. And he rejoiced, having believed in God with all of his household. Who believed in God? He did and... His whole household, they didn't just baptize him because they were in the house. They baptized him because each person in the household believed. He was the jailer. He was the front guy. He was actually responsible. He's the night shift. He had some responsibilities. He was saved. His whole household was saved, and they all were baptized that that night. Paul, baptizing with blood and skin, having no, no garments, baptizing this man. He feeds them. He cleans them up. So not only did they get a shower, not only did they get the supper, we're going to see what happens. He keeps moving. His whole household saved. And then they went back. And then when it was day, the magistrate sent the officer saying, let those men go. Why did they let them go? I never figured that out. Why did they just come back and say, let them go? Well, they're in the middle of a major earthquake. What do you do in an earthquake? You let the lesser things go, right? Let them out of prison. Just, that was a misdemeanor, so go ahead and let them out. I always thought they were just walking up saying, let them go. That's not what happened. They got to fix the city. They got to get everything back in order. So they're like, let those men go. Just let them go. <laughs> this, is, this is like comedy. This is like comic books right here. Let these men go. They played them off. 
So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore, depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into the prison. And now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. Amen? Paul had a little bit of shank-shank, and we used to say as kids, he had a little bit of attitude, even though he was a Christian. Verse 38, And the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. Then they came and pleaded with them, and they brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. Y'all, I want you to see who's involved. This is not necessarily the same jailer. There's multiple jailers, multiple officers. So when they say, listen, the magistrates have said for you to leave, you're, you guys are free to go because there's no chains to hold you. The chains, the place has been ripped apart. Y'all go ahead and go. And Paul says, I'm not going nowhere. You tell them to come get me because I'm a Roman. We thought you was just a Jew. They didn't know who he was. They didn't know his credentials. They should have asked questions before they beat the man, right? They beat him improperly, and now he's a Roman, and you can't beat a Roman in public like that without a cause, without a, without a court hearing. Paul said, I'm not going anywhere. You tell them to come and get me. I'm not walking out of this prison. You imagine that walk of shame they had to come in? So now the officers go and report the thing. So who knows this now? You think all the prison guards saw it? You ever talk to your coworkers? When something goes on with the boss, you ever get the, you ever make a joke about the boss? Come on, y'all. You ever never done that? Shift manager, whoever I be. There's always that, that when the boss comes in, there's always that conversation, and then there's always that conversation when the boss leaves. Anybody been in management knows that's true, right? Because they've been on the other side of management. They've been like, what's he thinking? What's she thinking? Right? And you can imagine whenever the word rumbled through all the security guards that were supposed to be for this prison. One, their livelihood, they've got to rebuild now. They've become carpenters as well now. But what do you think ran through their chain whenever they heard, man, I got saved last night. These crazy fools were singing the gospel. They were singing about a God I've never heard of. They were singing to Jesus. They were down in the pit, man, singing and praying. And when the earthquake hit, I couldn't do anything besides, listen, what do I need to do to be saved? And they led me to Christ. I washed the wounds. I took them home. My whole family believed. They heard the gospel of Jesus because my whole family heard and became Christians. Guess what Lydia became when she became a Christian? A messenger or a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Guess what the prison guard became when he got saved and baptized? Guess what he became? A messenger and preacher of the Lord Jesus Christ. Guess what you should become when you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ? A messenger and preacher of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing's changed. Occupation from being a businesswoman or being a jailer, a keeper. Listen, we all have responsibilities to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior when we hear the gospel preached and respond by giving our heart and life to Jesus Christ. And then we respond in obedience after that to baptism and then getting busy. Because what was Lydia's spiritual gifts that we know of? At least hospitality and service. How about the jailer? Do you see any of his spiritual gifts when you look at him? What did he have? Lo and behold, here it comes again. It's hospitality, service, and even mercy. You see, mercy because he's taking care of their wounds. He didn't just say, come over and clean up. He said, let me take care of your wounds myself. He knew how to inflict wounds, but he also knew how to heal wounds, and that's what he did. I didn't read verse 40 on purpose. Let's read verse 40 together. We'll close up, and I'll give you the rest of your notes. Actually, let me get to your notes first. You see this. Paul encountered another young woman in Philippi who was demon-possessed. After casting out the demon, her master saw their prophet of, uh, the hope of a prophet was gone. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the authorities. The authorities tore the clothes off Paul and Silas and beat them. This was God's divine appointment. Could you imagine today if God's got a divine appointment for you to get your behind whipped and left for dead? You say, in our culture today, could it happen? Yeah. People, listen, sinful people still act how? Sinful church, we've got to get the word out. If y'all heard, there was a 12-year-old boy shot over in Carlson Park. Why? You can list every reason why, but you know what the ultimate reason is? Because of sin. Because we didn't reach those young men or women or whoever shot. I don't know who shot him. God knows. But what if that person, what if the church was supposed to go out that night and it was not a convenient night to share with that family about the love of Jesus Christ? Instead of hearing about Jesus and changing their life, they turned to a life of crime and now have this murder on their rap sheet. What if, church, your neighbor is the person responsible that you're going you're to tell them about Jesus Christ and it's going to change their life and their whole course of life forever? You say, Pastor, those are just stories that make us feel bad. No, it's not. These are real lives, real stories. That 12-year-old boy, was he a real boy? He's somebody's son. 
a senseless murder in our town. Do you feel it in your heart? We don't live there, that's why it don't bother us. That's not our family, that's why it don't bother us. We hear about a thousand killings all the time. We hear about riots in the street. We've come accustomed to accepting sin as the normal. We as Christians must hear about sin, break our heart, and say, God forbid, and we go out into the dark, dirty spots and say, Lord, if it means I take a beating or if I, take a, I get killed for the gospel, let me be the messenger of Jesus Christ. We get upset when it gets hot in the sanctuary, cold in the sanctuary. I hear about it at the church. It was so cold in there, Pastor, you need to do something about the heat. Get a life. Imagine you got beat down and actually was, you, you had to go out and you had to die for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Get over the American sorriness that we have in our culture today. Paul was beat to death. Paul got up and went back to the city where they beat him. Paul was shipwrecked. He's going to get back in and go back into the gospel. Don't complain about stuff that don't matter today. Social media is making us weak. It's making us dumb. Look at our generation of youth. I love them. Some of the dumbest generation I've ever seen. They can't think. They, they're addicted to this. They, they, they walk around like this. Take their phones from them, parents. Try it for a week. Watch and see. They can't function. You know why the reason parents don't take their phones? It's because parents are addicted to this. Generation's addicted to it, too. You know why grandparents don't say anything today? Because grandparents are addicted to this crazy thing called technology. Want to know what's going on in your house. You don't even have a clue what's going on in your house. You want to know everybody else's house and business but you don't care about your house. Lydia was concerned about her house first, right? She was the spiritual leader in her house, right? We don't know what man was in the house. She was responsible. This is my house, and my house heard about Jesus. And her house was baptized, and we have record right here in the Bible that she was a spiritual leader in her household. She did what God wanted her to do. And the Philippian jailer, listen, he was a spiritual leader in his household. He was a lost man doing lost man things. But when he came to Christ, he came to Christ, and his whole family was saved and baptized. And we have a record right here in your Bible and my Bible. When you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, you're a different man, you're a different woman than you used to be. All things have passed away. All the former things have gone away. Listen, and behold, all things have become new, says the Word of God. Act like, listen, you become new. Does that bother you at all? If I hurt your feelings, good. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm trying to say, listen, we've got to be a different people. We can't get caught up in the world's stuff. And think that we're going to make a change. We're called to evangelize the world. To share the love of Jesus Christ. No matter if it costs us everything, share Jesus. And he's a reward of those who diligently seek him. Can you read verse 40 with me? So they went out of prison and entered the house of whom? Say her name. she got a sweet name. Say her name. Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. He didn't say they went there to eat. Hey, where's the food? I'm hungry. We just got beat down. They went there to encourage through their problems. They encouraged. You ever seen somebody with cancer, heart disease, and they talk about how good God is? You go, how can you do that? How can you preach the goodness of God when you just went through what you went through? We, lose, we lost our first child. How can you talk about how good God is? Right? How do you go through the ladies if you ever had a miscarriage? How do you talk about the goodness of God? Some of you are still working through it. I understand. How do you work through child abuse? How do you work through that? You can through the grace of God. If you'll let him, he will. And it starts with forgiveness. And you, I know that's a hard F word when it first gets started. Listen, but you can forgive. If you trust him and you obey him, he'll get you to the place where you can forgive that wrong person who wronged you. And by the way, humans do that to humans. I'm sorry. That's the truth. Church, you'll get hurt in church. But you can forgive. And you need to ask for forgiveness if you're the person who's done wrong. Amen? Paul goes back to Lydia's house. Go back to your notes for a second. Let me, let me give you the fill in the blanks if you want to. I want you to share this. I don't just type this up for the fun of it. Share it this week. Paul and Silas were thrown into prison for the sake of the gospel, and the prison jailer held them in maximum security until God sent a late-night earthquake. The jailer was saved. He ministered to Paul and Silas and treated their wounds. Paul and Silas were released from prison, went back to Lydia's house, and encouraged the church. Paul and Silas continued their missionary journeys, awaiting further divine appointments. They were clothed in righteousness. Let me ask you for just a minute. Do you believe for one minute that when Paul went back to Lydia's house with his sketchy, raggedy old clothes he had on, she probably made fun of him. If she, was, if she had any kind of sense to him, what you do with that raggedy trash on in my house? You know, don't, be, don't let the neighbors see it. Good grief. I don't want to think, I, I sold you that. What do you think she did for him? Now, this is not in the Bible. It doesn't tell us. But where's this clothes, y'all? 
They've been torn off of him. And whose house is he going to? The woman who has the finest threads in town. And listen, I got, I'm just, it doesn't tell you in the scripture. You being you and me being me. And I think of Miss Eunice, if I was torn up, my clothes were torn, I come by your house and you made clothing, guess what would happen? I guarantee she'd be like, I'm not Eunice, I can't wear all that bling. You just give me something a little more, a little modest, right? Y'all understand? If you were that person, let me fix that for you. Let me do that for you. We want to give because that's our nature in Christ. Let me, let me do something for you. It might cost me something. Let me do it for you. Because y'all know where Paul's getting ready to go? Y'all, you won't believe the story. Now, I can't, I can't prove any of this other than I know his clothes are torn off because the Bible says so. I know Lydia was a dealer in purple fabric because the Bible says so. Right? And I know he went back to Lydia's house after he went through with his torn up old raggedy clothes. And I can't help thinking, mm-mm, you got to watch your company you keep. You think she was thankful that he led her to Christ? Paul, let me get you some clothes. Let me, let, can we come in here, let me, let, let me show you. You pick one, and we're going to get it tailor-made just for you. Silas, you pick one too, brother. You can't be walking around. You can't have raggedy old stuff on. Y'all two got your clothes ripped off. Timothy, come in here real quick. Timothy, come here, right? I, Luke, a doctor can't be walking around looking like that. You don't know nobody's slave daughter no more, right? Come in here, pick, pick some clothes. So what do you think when these men start walking to town when their next appointment? You're going to see it next week in chapter 17. Guess how they walked into town? They came out like this, beat up, right? We're going to preach the gospel. Guess how they walked out of Philippi? Walking out, looking at, look, checking out the threads of purple. They were Lydia's threads. What did that tell everybody when they come around? These men are rich. They must be somebody. And guess where Paul's going? Because he's going to get threatened again next week, by the way. He's going to Athens, where all the elite are. And guess what he has to do when he speaks before the, the elite? He needs a nice suit of clothes. And guess what he's got on? He, not only is he clothed in righteousness of Christ, walking in step with Christ, but he's clothed in a nice set of purple, I believe. He's getting ready to like, ooh, this guy must be royalty. Let him speak. Watch. You watch next week. Go ahead and read ahead. Verse 17. He didn't just get, well, he walked up in a raggedy Jewish pair of clothes. Guess what happened? They wouldn't even acknowledge him. He's going to get his hair cut too, by the way. He's going to have a bald head. Yep. You watch it. Read ahead. He's going to have a bald head. He's got the head slick, and he's going to have his nice set of clothes on, and he's going to be asked to speak before all uh, of the Greeks in Athens, the philosophers, those who think about life. So God took him from the beat down, and he's going to put him in a prominent place. And what's he going to share there? He shares the gospel. When he's wearing his old raggedy day-in, day-out travel clothes, guess what he preaches? Guess what he preaches? The gospel of Jesus Christ. And when he got his clothes ripped off him and thrown into prison, guess what he preaches in prison? The Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel. And when he's wearing these nice, pretty robes, if that's what he had on, and I believe he did, because I can't help but think, Lydia, y'all would have done it for Paul, right? Most of you would have done it for me as well. Let me go get your size, right? I would have done it for you. Let me get you fixed up. If you were as a baker, you'd make fresh what? Come on, y'all understand what I'm saying, because you know how, and you would do it. It would cost you something, and therefore it costs Lydia something. And Paul, listen, when he got in, if he had to find his purple and walk around like he was a rich man, guess what he preached? The gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why today, clothes and when I sermon thought of this dress for gospel, successful, Lord, why in the world you can have a raggedy clothes on, you can have close to no clothes on, or you can wear the finest of clothes. If you're clothed in righteousness, you're ready to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. He was ready because God made him ready, and by faith he trusted Jesus Christ was going to do it for him. He trusted what God said. Everywhere Paul went, there was a divine appointment. Was it with a woman who run a factory or run a, a purple? A selling factory? Yes, divine appointment. She got saved. Was it with a demon-possessed young lady who just walked around, and these men trained her like a dog? They, she was their slave, and they, she would basically say what the demon said. Was that a divine appointment for Paul? Yes. You think the girl ever forgot that? She heard, and even she proclaimed, these men are telling you that Jesus is the son of the Most High, right? She even proclaimed that with her own mouth, even though she wasn't under control. She knew the truth. Do you think Lydia ever forgot it? After Paul moved on? Come on, church. Do you think Lydia ever forgot it? Do you remember who led you to Christ? Do y'all remember who led you to Christ? When did you come to Christ? Was it a preacher, television? What was it? Was it in person? Was your mom, daddy? Who was it? Who led you to Christ? If you don't remember, listen, you might want to check up and see if you're saved. Amen? You have a life-changing experience with Christ. It changes your life. I remember preaching Dave Libingood in Virginia Beach, Battlefield Boulevard, Emmanuel Baptist Church. He preached a strong message, and I received Christ that day. 
Do you remember who led you to Christ? If you don't, listen, come to know Jesus Christ today. Come and give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. I'm sorry for my sins. Will you forgive me? Just like Lydia. You might be a prominent business person. You might be a jailer working. You might be that slave girl walking around and you can't get the devil off your back. Listen, come to the place and receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And the Holy Spirit will not share any space with a demon spirit. Amen? He has to flee from you when you draw to God. So whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're in good times or whether you're in bad times, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He'll forgive you of your sins, and he'll set you anew, and he'll make you right. He might even put some new clothes on your back. I don't, that ain't a promise. But listen, I can't help but see where God works. He's always in the blessing business. He makes his people blessed. Amen? That's the God that we serve. Do you know him today? If you do, have you given your heart life to Jesus Christ? If the answer is yes, have you been baptized by obedience? Immediately, be baptized. Pastor, I need to be baptized. Then do it. The water waits for you every single week. If you tell me we're going to be, you want to be baptized, we've got to get the church together. We'll baptize you in a pond, a pool, swimming pool, the baptism pool, the pictures of death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why we baptize the way he says to do it. That's why we do it. But if you are a Christian, you have been baptized, are you being the minister and preacher of the gospel you're supposed to do? Are you walking around whatever clothing you've got on the outside, or are you walking around like you've got the clothing of righteousness on the inside? Are you speaking a good word? For Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, Lord, we know today this is a heavy lift because it gets in our face and it challenges us. Even as a pastor, Lord, is preaching this, we, I know good and well, the time we preach this, Lord, there's going to be a challenge to, even for me to pray and uh, preach and teach. Lord, every time there's, you're at work, there's always the devil at work as well. And Father, I hope today that the, there's no offense to the place of action, knowing who we are and what place we are. I don't truly believe that we have dumb teenagers. I believe the, the systems of technology is dumbing down their thinking process and adults and senior adults and everyone like them. Lord, we need to be more and more in tune with you and less in tune with the world. But Father, we can name the top 10 hits that are on the charts today. For many times we can name the top 10 commandments of, that Moses gave to the people of Israel. Father, nobody can change our minds but you and us. Lord, you, we know your will. You already tell us which way you want us to go. But Father, sometimes we're hard-headed and we need that extra help. Lord, help us today. If there's somebody here that's never given their heart life to Jesus Christ, help them today. If there's somebody here that's never been through believer's baptism, Lord, help them today. And if there's somebody here that is a Christian, been baptized, and Lord, they want to share but they don't know how, help them today, Lord. Paul just went where you said to go. He listened, he trusts you, and he obeyed. Help us do the same, we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.